We are starting a series through the month of December called, Oh, Come All Ye Fearful. So uh, these are on your tables, not just for looks. Please take a couple of them in your purse, in your pocket, in your whatever, and give them to friends and neighbors and family, people who need Jesus instead of fear. So, um, and today we're going to talk about the person of Mary who had a ton of fears to overcome, more than most of us would ever have to deal with. And, and her, what happened in her life was that fear was replaced by belief, by faith. I don't know if you've thought about this, but the opposite of fear, what is it? You might think it's courage, right? But courage is actually doing what you need to do even when you're afraid, Right? Courage is like pushing through. Yeah, well, the, op- the opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of fear is belief. It's trust. Remember Sergei's story? He was afraid of dad. The opposite of that would be, I trust dad. I believe that dad has my best interest in mind. I'm okay when dad comes home. I know it's going to be okay. It's the same thing in our lives. We get, we get afraid of all kinds of stuff. Our, we live in a culture of fear. In fact, some of you guys looking at Christmas, you're already afraid. You're like, like this is supposed to be the time of joy and hope and peace, right? And you're looking at December going, oh, geez, right? You have fears of all kinds. It's kind of generalized. I was having a conversation with somebody really close to me who was kind of just looking at December like hanging their head like, I hate December. Because there's all this stuff coming at us, and it's kind of like our assumption is, well, something's going to go wrong in December because there are more variables in December, we're going to have you know, stuff with family. We're going to have, uh, you know, I have to buy the right gifts. What if I get a gift that is less than what they get me, right? What if I can't find a decent spot at the, at the Oaks Mall parking, <laughs> right? All kinds of things. But seriously, you're going to see people over the holidays you don't normally see. You're going to spend more time with them than you normally spend. And then there's the finances of the holidays, the finances of the new year, of deductibles on your insurance, All kinds of stuff just creeps in, health issues that some of us have, and we become very fearful people. And so during this month of December, we're going to go after some stories in the Christmas story of people who faced fear. Three of them particularly, one's Mary, one's Joseph, and one is the shepherds. And it's interesting, three times in the Christmas story, angels show up. And you know what they say first? Yeah. Do you know why? Because we have a tendency to fear, right? Here's something else interesting. It says, do not be afraid, 366 times in the Bible. So God even covered leap year, right? There's one for every single day. And there's this theme of do not fear. Do you know why it's in the Bible so many times? Because we keep being afraid. We keep not having faith and trust and belief that our Father is going to come through. And he has to keep reminding us to not be afraid. Okay, now think about the angels. Three times they show up, one with Mary, one with Joseph, one with the angels, the first uh, with the shepherds. The first thing they say is, do not fear, right? So just picture yourself, you're a beginner, beginner angel in heaven. You go to angel school 101, okay? So you show up, you don't know anything yet, and Gabriel is teaching the class, and he says, okay, everybody, you know, sit here, we're going we're gonna to teach you how to be an angel. So when you go down to earth, you're kind of glowing, and you have wings and you're a little intimidating so when you show up with a message they're not going to hear you okay so here's what you have to do first you have to say 
fear not. Okay, And what that does for the humans is it, it helps them to stop shaking in their boots. It kind of grabs their attention, and, and you can at least make a little bit of progress with those dumb humans. Right? And so just angelology, like the first step as an angel is, okay, I'm showing up, and then the person freaks out right? that you appear to because obviously you're from heaven and they are not. And then you just calm them down, and peacefully you say, don't be afraid. Now, just picture that happening in each of these stories. The angels had to kind of calm the situation down and then give this message. It's interesting, too, in each of those stories, it starts with a fear not. And then instead of it being, you know, the, the people are nervous and they're agitated and it, it's like a crazy situation. Like Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid that, you know, the shepherd's like, what the heck is going on? The message was a message about Jesus each time that don't be afraid, he is what's happening, and it turns out to be this message of peace each time. So it's not about chaos, it's not about stress, it's not about fear, it's about the prince of peace coming into our lives. Fear is totally crippling, and until we find something greater than our fear, we can't really move. We cannot move forward. So um, I feel like this heavenly message that the angels brought is for us just as much as it was 2,000 years ago, if not more. We need this message of fear not now. The people in your life need it. You are going to have all kinds of opportunities and conversations I'm praying and I'm believing over the next month that people are going to come to you and say, what do I do? And you're going to be able to show them who Jesus is and just like the angels say, hey, you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is the point of the season. He wants to bring peace not the chaos that you're feeling. So we as Christians are not created to live in fear like everybody else. Do you remember the, there's a verse that says, and I love this, perfect love casts out fear. When we understand his love and we're able to soak in the jacuzzi of God's love, fear has no place in that jacuzzi. He wants to hold us and give us peace and give us comfort and give us joy in him. And we shouldn't be running around in fear like everybody else. So today we're going to talk about fear not but believe. Let's jump into the story of Mary. Mary is one of my heroes. I don't know about you, but I am cr- there's something about Mary. <laughs> right? She's amazing. I think she's an amazing example. She's an amazing example of faith. She's an amazing example of courage. And, and I think about, you know, you know that Abraham is like the ultimate example of faith in Scripture? But it says three times, Genesis, Romans, and Galatians, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mary also believed God and we remember her story every single day of our lives, especially this time of the year. She believed, she trusted, she didn't let her, the fears, and she faced them. She didn't let them rule her life, and history was changed because God used her life in a dramatic way. And I, and I, I wonder, what would it be like if, if I acted more like Mary? What would it be like if, if God asked me to do something, if God just put something in my heart, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it, rather than, oh my gosh, what is this going to cost me? And I feel like as Matthew 17 says, if we're that kind of people, nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing will be impossible for you if you have that kind of faith. Okay, 
Let's look at her story in the book of Luke. Incidentally, the book of Luke is the one that, he's the author that tells us the most about Mary. So Luke had a thing for women. He had a thing for the down and out. He had a thing for children, and those things come through in his writings. We're going to look in Luke chapter 1, starting in 28. And I think it'll be up here. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And incidentally, that's where we get Hail Mary, full of grace. That word favored is is charis, it's grace. And then he says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The word favor comes out twice. Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Okay, now just put yourself in her shoes for a minute. So an angel shows up. You're terrified. He says, it's okay. Let me tell you what's going to happen. So you relax. He tells you what happened. And then he gets to this point. He will be called Son of the Most High. So you're a Jewish girl. You grow up knowing the scriptures. You know some of the messianic prophecies of the Messiah supposed to come. And then he drops this on you. Your kid is going to be the son of God himself? Like, I I just, for some reason, that just stopped me in my tracks this week as I read it. Like, wow. So her mind is just spinning. And then it says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, the greatest hero of the Old Testament, and the greatest lineage, the greatest king ever. So yeah, your kid will have that throne. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. There was an end to David's kingdom, not this one. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I love it that she doesn't say, this whole thing's crazy. (laughs) Right? You must be wrong. You have the wrong person. She says, okay, so tell me a little bit of the details. Look at the faith. Look Look at what replaced the fear. She said, okay, so how's it going to happen? You know, I don't get the details. And then the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, so this is how, the child will be born, who, who will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow. Mary had a lot to fear. She wasn't married yet. She was going to be pregnant. She didn't know how Joseph would take it. She didn't know how her family would take it. She didn't know, how does this all stack up with what I know of the Bible? The angel talked to me. Is this all real? She had all this stuff, and we're going to get into that a little bit more next week when we talk about Joseph. She had a lot of things ahead of her to think through. This would mean this. her whole life was changing dramatically. All of her plans of, I'm going to have a cute little white picket fence house. I'm going to have a nice little wedding. I'm going to... This changes everything. And yet notice her response to the angel. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as according to your word. In other words, let's do this. She just said, yes, let's do this. She did not know all the details. How many of us in here, we want God to show us the details before we step in, right? He says, okay, I want you to go do this thing, Don and Gail, and you're going to you know, take this next step. And you're like, no, not until you tell me more about it, right? And we want to have some control. And we're afraid unless we have it. 
Mary, before she knew all the details, she just knew one, like, so how am I going to get pregnant? Okay, then let's move forward with the whole Son of God, uh, throne of King David thing. Let's just go for it. Um, Is this because she was so special? Was she just an amazing person? It's interesting, after this, she bursts into song, and we have Mary's Magnificat, which is from um, a bunch of different Old Testament passages put together, and it's a song of praise. So she's not really worried about all this stuff. In fact, she's praising God for the opportunity to serve him. And she was not one in a billion, and that's why she got chosen. She was chosen because she trusted her father. She trusted him with the details. She said yes before she knew how it would all play out. And, and I feel like it's just amazing that she isn't special because God chose her womb. She is special because she chose her father. And he said, here is someone who believes and is ready to go, and I can use her life to change the planet. Mary was ready to walk into the unknown because he was known. Does that make sense? If you know your Father in heaven, if you know the Spirit, if you know Jesus well, you're going to be more confident walking into what's not known. That's just true. She was more excited to follow him than to follow her own plans for her life, which were probably great. Little girls grow up with a plan of, you know, here's the guy and here's the marriage and here's the house and here's the, right, the kids, the job, the, you know. She was more excited to follow him. And I think she was ready to step out because she knew that God was stepping out with her. She knew that he was real. She knew that he was present and that she would go on a journey, but she didn't have to go alone. And, and I think it's interesting how in my life, I'll ask God something like, okay, so I feel like you're, you're calling us to do this adoption with our daughter. Okay. And I feel like you're calling us to leave the mega church and go to Caneo Church. And, and, I, and then I say, okay, so Lord, tell me this. And then there's silence. And then I'll say, okay, so how does this work out? And then there's silence. And then I'll say, but, but God, I have these three things in silence. I feel like there's a need to know. It's kind of like on a need-to-know basis, right? And so I feel like the Lord with me says, you don't really need to know that. I want you to act anyway, and I want you to trust me. And then as I need to know something, he tells me. And then I say, oh. But doesn't it seem like if you look back on the last five years, if the Lord showed you everything, you probably would have said, uh-uh. Right? You would have said, I don't really want to do that. But he knows because his plan for your life is that he, just like Mary, he's welcoming you into rescuing planet Earth. He's not welcoming you into the white picket fence so you can just be smiley. He is up to something much greater in our lives than we are. And Mary understood that and said yes in advance. Now, it says she was highly favored. Did you see that a couple times? Think about her life. This is a different definition of highly favored than I would give. She was on the run for her life. She wasn't sure if if Joseph would even marry her. She wasn't sure what, I mean, think about this. What's the baby going to look like? Son of God, right? So, so I know that when, when Stacy was pregnant, she did all this research. She read all the books. She looked at all the websites, and she knew what was going to happen. If you're having the Son of God, you have, all the books don't really matter, right? So you don't know if you're going to have a normal pregnancy, a normal birth. and You don't know anything. And she went on this crazy journey, 
and was judged by all, you know, all the people in her life, had to, you know, leave and go to a new place, had to run to Egypt, escape. She had to watch her son crucified on a cross, not understanding what in the world, how is this highly favored? She came to rescue him when he was working too hard, and, and he said, that's not my mother, these are my mother and brothers that are here listening to the word of God. Wow, highly favored? Now, as we look at the end of the story, it makes sense. Not in the middle. The end of the story is she's there for the resurrection. She's there with the disciples in the upper room when the, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. She gets to see the church started. She gets to see the body of her son that came out of her womb become the body of all of us, moving out into the world, taking the truth of him to the far reaches of the planet. Now, okay, highly favored, right? And we're talking about her today. There are so many other ladies that were born in that place in that time that we don't, we don't care. But her life is set apart. It's totally different. She was highly favored. And also think about Mary's surprises just in the first couple years. Think about Joseph says yes. An angel also appeared to him. God checked that box off. I mean, she was going to have to convince him. That didn't need to happen. Angel appears to him. She goes on this trip to Bethlehem. There's no room in the inn, but a place is provided. Angels, star, shepherds come and visit, tell the whole town what's happening. Wise men show up with gifts that mean a lot, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but they also pay for the bills of this new family that's trying to get out there on their own. God's providing all the stuff. He helps them go to Egypt to protect their lives. She's on this tremendous journey all this stuff that God's providing. And I think more important than what she learned on the journey and how exciting the adventure was, I think the real adventure was getting to know God. Think about how Mary every step would have had to say, now what? Now what? Now what do I do? Now what? Right? And just like a little kid holding dad's hand, she had to keep looking up and trusting him and saying, where are we walking next? Because it was difficult and yet, she was highly favored. Man, that, that's just, I love looking at her whole story and seeing the beauty and, and the passion that she had. Now, think about this. When we pray, Lord, have your way, which was kind of what she prayed, may it be done to me. We don't have a lot of control over that. We don't know what is going to happen next. That's called trust. We struggle, I struggle, you struggle with trusting him. There are times when he has come through in my life in ways that I don't appreciate. Now, let's put that in context. There are times when I have come through in my kids' lives in ways they do not appreciate. Is that true? If you ask my son who's 15, am I always fair, what will he say? No! If you ask my son who's 15, would you do it differently? What would he say? Yes. Now, duh, why don't we understand that truth in our lives? If we are going to get over fear, we need to be trusting him, and he will pull us through the fear, and he will show himself trustworthy and believable, and he will bring grace into our lives to help us accept the next steps, to help us trust him with every step. I, f I feel like the right posture for us is, is like a little child who says, 
with open arms, God, what do you have for me? Rather than this posture, I'm not really ready to go where you want me to go. Right? Now, as how many of you are parents? You've seen both of those postures, right? This one, I really like a lot more, which is all good gifts are from above who come from the Father who does not change, right? I'm trusting my dad. And this one is, I'm not really sure if I trust my dad. I don't know if he has my best interest in mind. I'm stuck. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm shut off. That's what this body language means. I feel like as believers, a lot of times we spend our time in this second position where we're saying, God, prove it. God, show me. God, you know, I need you to convince me. And that's not faith. Faith is, Jesus, I trust you. Lord, I know you have my best interest in mind. Where are we going next? Now, faith is fun. I learned that from my dad. I remember leaving when I was 10 years old to get in a Mercury marquee with a 22-foot trailer to head for the West Coast because God called us to do something new. And I have noticed mom and dad have set this example of faith being fun. Faith does not have to be scary and terrifying because God is not scary and terrifying. But here's the thing. He is surprising. I'm going to ask you a weird question. How many of you don't like surprises? Go ahead, be honest. Go ahead, Stace. Raise your hand. (laughs) So Stacy likes to know what she's getting for Christmas. And I grew up in a home where we don't do that. You get surprised. So here's the thing, though. As I read the Bible, do you know who really likes surprises? God loves surprises. He loves to change the rules. He loves for us to take risks. He loves to push us out of our comfort zone and literally walk on water out of the boat. He loves to do stuff that I'm not comfortable with. And he says, I know. That's how I'm growing you. That's how I'm making you to be more like me. You're going to take risks. You're going to get out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to surprise you because I'm God. If God is predictable and not mysterious, it's no longer God. Right? Yeah. He, he is super natural. He's not natural. He's way beyond all of that. That's just the truth. Okay. Now, here's the last thing that we're going to do. And then we're going to worship a little bit more. What's the thing that you're most afraid of? You don't need to say it out loud. What is the thing that you're most afraid of? Is it dying? Is it illness? Is it finances? Is it, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen with my teenagers, my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my parents? What's the thing that really grabs you with fear that you say, "Ah, that's just so unknown, I don't know what to do about that? That is the thing for you that Jesus wants to exchange that fear for faith. He wants to say, I want you to trust me with that thing. And you say, not that thing. And he says, oh yeah, that thing. And you say, well, but I'm trusting you with so much. And he says, what about that? That thing that you have not given me yet, that you have trouble trusting me? Now, let's just get real. Some of you feel like you trusted God in that area and he let you down. That's, that happens, right? And I'm not going to say I have some Sunday school answer for you. It's, it's difficult in this dance with Jesus that sometimes we let him down and sometimes he lets us down and we say, what was that? And he says, someday this will make sense. 
The challenge for you right now, every single person who's sitting here, is identify that one thing, that one area of fear. Maybe you have never trusted Jesus with your life, and you, that you're just afraid to go there. And he is calling you and saying, it's time. It's time for you to trust me. It's time for you to believe me, because I love you, and my perfect love will drive out your fear. Amen? How about if we pray about those things? Grab that thing in your mind. Just bring it right up to the front of your mind. Lord Jesus, we bring these items of fear before you. And we picture Mary and her great faith, her belief in you as loving Father. We, we lay these things on the altar before you, a fear of relationships going wrong, a fear of finances, fear of jobs, and placement, and Lord, health fears. Some of us fear dying. And Lord, we lay down those things, and we say, Jesus, be the king over those fears. Would you bring, bring yourself to the front of our mind instead of that stuff? And Lord, we, we picture ourselves laying that stuff down at the feet of your cross. You came to die for us and to wipe out all of our fears by even killing death itself. Lord, I ask for the people in here, your sons, your daughters, that you would give them freedom, that you would give them faith, that they would be able to leave fears behind in this room, on these tables, Lord, this bread, this wine on the tables, would they leave their fear here, that it would no longer rule in our lives. And Lord, launch us into Christmas, into Christ Mass to see your glorious face, to not have anything entangling us, but Lord, may we be able to run freely, to pursue you, to journey with you, knowing that you're with us every single step. Jesus, be king. In your name and for your sake, Lord, we pray all of this. Amen.